Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, Steve Wilson here, continuing in our study. In the book of Matthew, we have progressed now through five chapters. And we're working, uh, well, we're into the fifth chapter. We've covered the first ten verses. So we're now down to um, verse 13. And we're talking about, we've gotten into the uh, Sermon on the Mount. I love this section. It's always been one of my favorite sections to study and to teach from. Wish we had more time to go into more depth on this, but um, you know this is more of a cursory kind of coverage of this passage. And as I've said before, Matthew's always been my favorite book. It's just so rich and has so much in there to uh, just guide us in our practical living. Uh, Jesus just is really kind of down to earth in this passage and is presented that way. Uh, and he talks uh, in ways that we can understand. Some of the parables and so on that are used that Matthew records are uh, just the type of stuff that we as just average human beings can relate to or such purpose behind what he does. So anyway, he has drawn aside his uh, apostles and is sharing this information with them with regard to the Sermon on the Mount and uh, is giving them some instruction and that sort of thing. Um, and now we're down in, uh, we've gone through all the, uh, the Beatitudes and we're down into uh, verse 13 and uh, he begins to make comparisons. You know, he's, he's talked about, you know, you're, you're happy if you're pure in heart, if you're peacemakers, etc. Now he says, you know, this, this is who you are. And he begins to use metaphors to describe the, the kind of people we should be. So he starts with, in verse 13, he, he says, you're the salt of the earth. And he begins to describe the salt because we all are familiar with what salt does, what the purpose of salt is. I use salt. I shouldn't use so much salt. I'm, I have high blood pressure, and it's it's bad for me. But, you know, I just can't get past the, the flavor difference that it makes on my food. It just tastes bland to me. If I don't put some salt, even pepper, and some things like that on it, my wife uh, gets a little aggravated at me sometime when she cooks, and then I start pouring salt and a bunch of other stuff on it to to add the flavors that I like. It's nothing against our cooking. It's just, you know, my particular taste. So anyway, you know, we salt. We know that salt uh, adds flavor, adds a certain flavor to food, uh, and it has value. Of course, we know the nutritional values that salt has and so on. I remember as a kid my 
my grandfather, I'd go down to Kentucky and stay at my grandma and grandpa's house, and, you know, we'd go into the feed mill. And every time we'd go into the feed mill to get feed for the animals, he'd always pick up a big salt block and take it out put it out in the field for the cattle to just go by and lick on. I just always got a kick out of seeing the cattle go out there and just lick on that salt uh, because, um, you know, they just they needed it in order for survival. Always wanted to go out there and lick one of those salt blocks myself, but never did. Um, but anyway, you know, salt has that kind of value, and it says you're, and he describes Christians as being the salt of the earth. Now we add that flavor. We 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 add a, something extra to what the what the world tastes with regard to just living life. You know, Christians have that particular flavor. But it, but it says, but. If the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? In other words, who's going to provide that, that value that salt adds if Christians don't do it? There's nobody there to do that. God didn't design the world that way. That is our task. Um, and there's, there's no backup plan. If we don't do it, it doesn't, have, have, it doesn't happen. So, you know, the world just gets a bland flavor from life and there's no joy in that, you know, I, you know, people like to eat, and we like to enjoy our food, um, and we like to enjoy life. And there, you know, being as we are designed to please God, and it actually comes down to that. There's, you know, a little bit later, I want to mention that we're supposed to glorify God. Um, that, you know, that we're supposed to provide the element that causes that to happen in life, that allows us to fulfill our purpose for existence. And he says, it, you know, if it loses its savor, he says, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. I remember years ago we had an evangelist who uh, came to our church, and we, we brought him in two or three times. Everybody just really liked him. He had some really good practical messages. But one of the messages that he preached was entitled Good for Nothing Christians. And... You know, he used this passage to do that, to talk about the fact that if we stop being Christian, if we stop providing the salt, if we stop sharing our testimony, people stop seeing Christ in us. If we stop winning souls, if we stop letting people see Christ through us, then we're good for nothing. I mean, what good is a Christian if he doesn't provide the flavor that allows mankind to fulfill his purpose for being here, for living at all. We're good for nothing. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. If you kind of, you know, take this sort of a step further. It says, you know, it's, it's good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So when you think about that, you know, try, you know taking salt and, and, and then trodden on, under the foot of men— you know, typically we'll take like rock salt or, or whatever kind of salt, really, but rock salt works best, but nonetheless it's salt. And you'll throw it out during the wintertime on icy sidewalks and what have you, and it'll melt the ice, and it'll provide some traction. So even in that worthless state, there is still some value because it still provides traction for mankind to navigate the slippery slope of life, because that's what sin does. It's designed to make us fall, make us fail, to impede our progress. And the interesting thing to me about that is that even though 
we are in a worthless state if we're not sharing Christ, we're not living for Christ, people's not seeing Christ in us, somehow just the fact that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that by being here, we can still provide some traction for mankind. Now there's so much more that we should do and should want to do um, than just pro merely provide some traction. We should be guiding mankind. We should be uh, providing leadership. We should give them the answers to their questions rather than just keeping them from, you know, slipping up on the things that Satan does. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's one thing to, let's say, abstain from alcohol. Perhaps that'll give other people the courage to refrain from doing so also. But there's, you know, there's more to life than just getting people to refrain from alcohol. That doesn't save them. Um, we need to be letting them know that, you know, Christ is the answer to all of our problems. So even when we're trodden under the foot of men, uh, there's still some value there. Uh, our, our testimony needs to be shared, and, it, and it, it, you know, goes into that. Verse 14, it says, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Um, there's a light within us that God intends to shine. And uh, we're supposed to be using that in order to uh, let people see Christ in us. Um, it says, neither, verse 15, neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works Glorify your Father which is in heaven. We, we need to see ourselves that way. We need to envision us as being the beacon on a hillside. Uh, you know, I come home at night. Um, if I'm out and I'm out after dark, my wife will always um, leave the, the porch light on. Um, even uh, the Red Roof Inns, they have a, I believe that's who it is, they have a, Slogan says, we'll leave the light on for you. Or maybe it's, now um, um, well, I, I forget, Motel 6. I, I, one of those. Anyway, you know, that's, that's their, their little motto, their catchphrase um, that, you know, when you, you can find them because they have a light on in, in the darkness and it's, it kind of symbolizes a safe haven. And it gives me a good feeling when I get home and I see the light on at, at the door and it's lighting my way. Um, to get into my house, to get into that safe area, to get to where I want to be. Folks, we need to be sharing our testimony. People need to see Christ in us. Um, and we need, to, we need to be aggressive about it. I'm not talking about browbeating people, but we need to do something that uh, draws attention to the fact that we are Christians. And we belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, don't put your candle under a bushel. You know, that old little song, uh, this little light of mine, you know, it says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know, so many Christians tend to do that sort of thing, and there's, there's so much symbolism, really, in, in that. You, you can't, you know, hide it under a bushel simply means you you got other good things you're doing in life. And it's not that doing good deeds and being involved in good works you know, are, are bad. Obviously, we should do good works, but don't let that substitute the fact that we're trying to share Christ 
with people, you know, missionaries, and you know, we support a lot of missions and that sort of thing to build schools and churches and and different things, or send people out to uh, disaster areas to, you know, physically help people. Um, but our purpose is to share Christ, and and in in the process of doing that, that's what we attempt to do. We pass out tracts, we tell them about Christ, speak about the great physician, that sort of thing. It's just an avenue to let people know about Christ, and, and that's how. You become uh, aggressive uh, in in being um, the light on the hillside. We can't uh, we can't be lazy. It's easy to be lazy in the things of Christ. It's easy to make excuses not to do what God would have you to do. Because folks, let's let's admit, let's be honest. It's hard work. Um, people don't want to hear it, so they reject us. We become unpopular. Um, but, you know, we're still called to do it. I mean, look at what happened to Paul. Look at what happened to the apostles. I just published a post on Facebook here recently about how all the apostles died and all, all but John died a very horrible, violent death um, simply because they were sharing Christ. I mean, sh should we be any less privileged? I mean, they counted it a privilege to, to be able to die uh, for Christ. And, and, of course, Peter, you know, he was... He was uh, he died on a cross and he didn't even want to be crucified upright. He wanted to be upside down because he didn't want to die the same way Christ did, um, because he he respected him. So he chose to be crucified upside down, which is even worse fate. Um, so I mean, who are we to be afraid of what we might face? Who are we to be lazy, considering what God has given us, considering what we have? We we can't take what we have and shamefully hide it under bed or put it in a secret place. You know, yeah, Christianity is personal, but it's not so personal that we just keep it to ourselves. It's personal in the fact that it affects, it, it, it saves my soul. I can't save anybody else's soul, but I certainly can share the message that will, and that's what God expects us to do. Um, we can't live a life of carnality. We can't become like the world. We can't do the things that the world does and and uh, and still be Christ-like and still expect them to respect who we are and what we do and the message that we, we carry. Um, we have to pull that bushel off of that light and let, let it shine, let people see it. Um, because it says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and notice how it closes. It says, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, I've said before, Revelation 4.11, it tells us what our purpose is um, in life. You know, why we were uh, created in the first place. We were created for God's glory. That's our very purpose for being. We were specifically designed to be capable of doing that. Uh, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. It says to receive glory and honor and power. That's why we were created. That's our purpose. And if we're not going to share Christ, we're not fulfilling our purpose. And if we're not going to do that, then God is not going to be glorified. It's, it's impossible to do it in any other way. And so that's why He gives us this instruction here and compares us to salt and compares us to a candle. Those are very practical things that we all understand and we know what their purpose is. And and he tells us that that's what we are to be with respect to the message of, Je of, of salvation. You know, that Christ died, went to the cross, shed his blood, 
um, was resurrected on the third day and ascended into heaven. And thereby trusting in him, confessing our sins, trusting in him, accepting the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that's the message of salvation. That's what the world needs to hear. They don't need to see just the good works. They need to know why we do it and what our driving purpose is behind it. So there you have the next few verses, 13 to 16, and uh, thank you for listening. We'll uh, pick up again in verse 17 very shortly. God bless you.